Welcome to the Celtic Way podcast, where we look to bring a fresh vision of spiritual life by nurturing a vibrant, evolving, and sustainable life with God in nature. Celtic spirituality is an ancient tradition of seeing God in everyone and in everything. Welcome to the Celtic Way podcast. Great to be with you all as always. Joined as always with the creative director of Celtic Way, Scott Jenkins. And this is going to be a great conversation. And I'm not going to lie, Scott, not my strong point. Taking space as far as taking time off is just uh, this idea of sabbat or this idea of uh, Sabbath and rest and sabbatical just not something I've ever done well. So I'm excited to learn today. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's nobody's strong point in this country. Um, I'm a little bit hypocritical with this, though. I can tell you in the last few years, I've gotten really good at this. So I'm going to begin by saying how grateful I am that I work for an organization, Mile High Ministries and the Justice and Mercy Legal Aid Center. I'm the chaplain for both of their staffs. And both of these organizations are really strong believers in a balanced life, including their work life. It's amazing. When I tell people about the policies of these two people, these two groups that I work through, they're just like, you're kidding me. Oh, no, that's real. So, for example, at Mile High Ministries, if you, uh, you put in your seven years, and it doesn't matter if you're the head of Joshua Station, if you're the executive director of Mile High Ministries, if you're um, uh, one of the social workers that's there or somebody uh, who maintains the building and the grounds, doesn't matter what your status is there. Every seventh year, you have to plan and get it approved and work out a sabbatical. Hmm. Now, what's a sabbatical? It means that you have this time of rest and renewal set aside for three months. And they pay you for it. Um, and it, it, just, it just is just part of, not, it's not the whole thing, but it's part of taking care of the people who work there. I mean, when you work in transitional housing, these case managers, I'm not sure there's any day that's an easy day. Mm -hmm. Some days are not as hard as others, but the population they deal with and the populations that our lawyers deal with and that whole group, none of them, those are not easy days. And yet, to find a staff that's on both of these agencies that's full of people who've been there for over 10 years is common. It's not common in the industry. So the question is, then how do we take care of them and how do they take care of themselves? And we, we believe in putting time and money on the table for that. And the agencies both hire um, a psychologist who's there for both of the staffs. I'm the chaplain for both of the staffs. So there's just a good network there of balance and self-care. Um, and, it, and it pays off. It pays off in the lives of people who work there. I think it really pays off in the lives of the people who come there really in desperate need of assistance. And I think Um, that's one of the most important things, right? The mission is to help the people that come there. If the staff is unhealthy, overworked, or overdone, which you and I both know how quickly that can happen when you're working with diverse and difficult uh, populations. So the true beneficiary of 
the the rest that they're offering and the assistance that they're offering to their staff is really the 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 people that are being served there because then they also get those consistent people for like you said 10 years and I know I work for a nonprofit that deals in the anti-trafficking world and same thing like really hard work hard topics and one of the things that our executive director has put into place that I've appreciated is that we actually don't have paid time off you just get paid all the time and you take off when you need it and you get your job done, but you don't just get three weeks. If you need seven weeks, you take that. If you only need one week and it's not this thing where you have to take two weeks off every year, you just need to have a, a finger on your pulse to make sure that you're taking care of yourself. And if you need a week off, you don't worry about sacrificing that vacation that you had in two months you just right off. <laughs> yeah i've got to use my vacation to get better <laughs> so right, right go back to work you know <laughs> it's like come on it's here's an interesting a lunch that i had the other day with a good friend of mine who's a pastor and another friend of mine who works in a tech field so we're talking and I'm telling them I'm on sabbatical. And of course, the pastor's eyes just pop up. He's like, you, you work for a religious organization and they give you three months off every, every seven years and pay you. And yeah. And, you know, and so my friend in the tech industry, he's like, we are going to a four day, nine hour work week. Really? Yeah. And he's so jazzed about it, you know, and, and the pastor is sitting there shaking his head and he goes, I'm still at a six day work week uh, and, and in the, and I get four weeks vacation that will include sick time. If I have to use it for the year, I was like, isn't that interesting? It's an organization that has forsaken its whole love about Sabbath, you know, in order to, to go along with the culture and, and productivity and everything. It's just so bad. So I, I don't, I do not think of myself as, um, like, I don't overlook this. I think I see myself as very, very blessed and fortunate to work for people like this and, and to see it in the lives of everybody who works there, no matter what their job is in these organizations. That's it's really good. But you talk about how it is radically countercultural or, or like when you say, I don't know anything about this, I get it. Because so here I am on sabbatical, my first, I don't know, week to 10 days. And I'm, and I'm getting in touch with what I'm feeling, and I'm just feeling uncomfortable. You know, it's like, what should I do? What should I? And I put time into planning this time. You know, it's not like I took sabbatical and I don't know what I'm doing. Um, but it just felt weird. And so I had to really pay attention to that because it just tells me how I've been overtaken by a rhythm that's not natural. This is not a natural rhythm to feel uncomfortable when we have time off that's given to us, believed in for rest and renewal. The unnatural world really has a foothold into my life, and I'm just so aware of it right now. I do my walks, as you know, every morning. This is the most beautiful time of year to be walking where I live. I walk around the golf course and through the trees and everything, and it's it's just so great. And we're not having fires this year. So I get these glimpses of these beautiful purple mountains. And I'm just thinking about the rhythm, the calling, the, the invitation of nature itself. And I think about the seasons where things are growing. And in the summertime, we're in now things explode with life and energy, you know, and the fall comes and things start slowing down and leaves start falling off. And there's a process 
that's going to lead to the life-giving death of winter that's come that will, that will say to us, stop, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you are going to stop. Have you ever seen the baby squirrels? You don't see them very often. You don't, no. And so there's this tree like right next to our house. And Chris and I throw the peanuts under the tree and as we're talking and stuff. And she's like, look at that squirrel. That squirrel's really fat. And I said, no, hon, that's not a fat squirrel. This was some time ago. That's a pregnant mama. Well, yesterday I saw the, I saw the squirrels, the big, and they, it's so weird because they, they look so skinny. There's, they don't have any hair on them, you know? They look like rats with really long tails, you know? And so it's, it's fun watching this whole rhythm explode. And I, I just think the invitation is, is so countercultural, and yet it's so paradoxical, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, when we think of growth, when you think in church growth, <laughs> you know, you think about the count and the amount, right? How many people are in church? How much money, you know? I'm not sure that's the kind of growth that, you know, re- religious people are really yearning and, and wanting in life. Because growth, I mean, spiritual growth, don't you think? Spiritual growth really happens not at all in busyness, right? It happens in silence, in quiet in contemplation and slowing down and reflection, you know, maybe in a, in a good, fairly long, serious talk with your soul friend. And those kind of moments, which, you know, is so helpful in life if we have them regularly. Yeah. I'm thinking too, how interesting it is and, and how disconnected sometimes we feel with nature. And I think part of that is just the more modern our culture becomes, the more, that we have to keep us warm or that we have to keep us entertained, the harder it is to, to stay in tune with nature. And if you think about people, even a hundred years ago, nature really dictated how life was lived. And you were truly forced to slow down at certain times and you were forced to really forge ahead at other times. Right. Now the way that we live with modern technology you can avoid that and just run full out as, as hard as you want for as long as you want. And so the reason I bring that up is kind of what you just said is we need to be intentional about our breath. We need to be intentional about our rest. Otherwise, it won't come as natural as maybe it once did for the world. Yeah. So uh, being in part of a Lexio group in the morning and people's conversation after we had finished the Lexio, the contemplative reading of the scriptural passage yesterday, and people were saying how meetings like this really feed their soul and how that the more of this they get, the more they really know how much they need and how much they want, how much they enjoy. And it's like one lady's just like, had this aha moment, you know, she's like, I've been going to church all my life and it never dawned on me that this is the growth the church should be offering the world. We shouldn't be asking ourselves, how do we get more people into our church? We should be asking ourselves, how can we people fulfill their spiritual yearnings and longings and, and help them grow? And then we all were like, oh yeah, you know, this is right. This is really good. I know I've been, I am in a part of several groups that use the word transformation a lot. They're like, what is the purpose of Christianity? Well, it's to undergo transformation. 
And I, I pressed that a little bit, you know, like, what does that mean? You know, it's like, I think about the Transformers and <laughs> watch with my grandson, you know, but it's like, you know, to become what? To become more like Christ, to become more loving, to become more compassionate. I, I want to substitute a, just this word for recreation, recreation. I want to reclaim that word. I like transformation. I get it. But I like recreation better because we're already created. We're on a journey and we need a shot in the arm. Or maybe we need a kick in the butt to sit down, you know, <laughs> because I, I really think the goal about growing, maturing in our spiritual journey has to do with the first step of recognizing right where we really are. So I like recreation. It's just the gift of taking where we are and saying, it's okay, wherever you are, it's okay. But we all need something here to help us grow and to, and to maybe send us down a new and renewed direction. It's a little change for me, but that's one of the things that I'm working on with, with my whole spiritual journey. Recreation, the word recreation really comes from this Latin word, and it recognizes that there's an illness, there's a sickness, you know? And I think about, I really around clergy a lot lately, and not, not by choice, by invitation, just to do some work with these groups, and how, how often I hear the word busy. I'm so busy. I'm busy. I'm that we're busy. And, you know, and so after a break, we came back and I said, you know, what, what are four letter words, you know? And they're like, Oh, you don't mention, you don't talk like that in church, but they're like four letter words are inappropriate. I said, yeah. Do you ever think about the word busy as a four letter word? It's really antithetical to what you're really about, what your mission and what your goals are. Like I'm too busy. What if, you came to these pastoral meetings and everybody sat around and said, I'm not too busy. I'm living a really balanced life. I'm really communing with God and the people I work with. I'm experiencing the spirit. I have something to offer. Instead of, you know, I'm depleted. I'm burnt out. I'm too damn busy. Yeah. I said, you know, maybe now we all have a list of four-letter words. Let's just throw the word busy in there right? And so this pastor comes back the other day and he calls me on the phone. He goes, I mentioned that in my sermon. I wasn't planning on mentioning that in my sermon. It just came out of my mouth. And he said, you know what the people said to me after, after the service was over? I said, what is that? They're like, that's the most honest and real thing you've ever said. And it really struck me about how unbalanced, how busy I am in my life. We as a church, we all need to work on this together. And I was like, wow. Yeah. So I was really happy to hear that because I really think it's true. And I think too, Scott, you know, I, I love that story, first of all. And it's, you know, part of it is just the realization. But I think if, you know, it's fascinating to me how much time we spend focusing on the life of Jesus and trying to follow him and how how massively we can miss something like rest. <laughs> yeah, right. Or like Jesus, how many times does he go away in Luke's gospel to right. be alone, to commune with God, you know? Uh, but we don't want to follow that pattern. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that can mm -hmm. cause all kinds of trouble, you know? Yeah. I think about two, I guess this was a couple of days ago in the morning, I get up pretty early. And I was sitting there and I was thinking about nothing, like the word nothing 
somebody said to me the day before, what are you going to do today? I said, well, I'm going to begin my, way, my day with doing absolutely nothing. And, and right away, she's like, oh, I hate those moments. And I'm like, well, let's, let's, let's explore that a little bit. She goes, no. She goes, if we have to explore that, you're going to lead me down a path that's going to make me uncomfortable. And I'm just calling to say happy birthday and have a nice day. I don't want to feel uncomfortable. <laughs> and so uh, we're going on. And I said, well, nothing is like you. I said, you like gardening. She's like, yeah, that's a lot of work. That's a lot of energy. That's a time. Yeah, but the place you begin, there's nothing there. I mean, there's dirt and there's minerals and there's nutrients and soil, right? But there's nothing. Nothing is the playground of God. She's like, see, here you go again. I'm going to start getting a headache, you know. I said, well, just, you know, in the beginning, there was nothing. It was out of the nothing, right, that God gave part of himself. It's a very Celtic belief that God gave part of God's self and created. And God created things that like to recreate. And it all began in the playground of nothing. So creating an empty space and letting God move and letting God create that which loves to recreate is how we find renewal. Big silence on the phone. Then she's like, okay, now here's the pitch where you tell me I have to get up now a half an hour earlier every day and sit. (laughs) We'll get there. We'll get there. The desert which is where the monks came from to create monasteries in the British Isles, not churches, not dioceses, not to plant bishops, but create monasteries, places of prayer and rhythm and balance. They came out of the desert. Now, I don't think anybody really knows why they left the desert and came to the British Isles, except I wouldn't blame them. (laughs) I think hanging out in the desert for a long time is not my idea of a good time. But I think the desert finally, in its fullness, is this metaphor for inner attentiveness. I think it's a place of vulnerability. When we have inner attentiveness and we're willing to be vulnerable, we have created a sacred container for recreation or recreation. It's the still point within each of us where God and our authentic self can be soul friends. As Jesus talks about in this meditative chapter of John 15, I really like this sabbatical. It's challenging. It really helps me see how much of in the world I am and of the world I am and the work and the calling and invitation that I have. The gift of Sabbath is communion. That's what I think. The gift of Sabbath ultimately is community, so I can be fully alive and part of a community, becoming empty so we can be filled again, looking into a mirror and truly seeing the image of God, and re-entering life as a process, as nature tells us. Rest and renewal shouldn't be options. They're the vitality that gives life. So I'm on sabbatical, my friend, and I hope that this conversation is just the beginning for people who are listening to think about rhythm and balance and honesty 
and renewal. And sometimes we're just called to say no to our culture. And that four-letter word is To support the Celtic Way podcast, be sure to subscribe to it, give it a five-star rating, and write a review. And if you'd like to become a sustaining member, please go to our website at www.celticway.org. Find us on Facebook at Celtic Way.